Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you this morning as we have come to your sanctuary. Thank you for our mothers, those who have mothered us, those who have brought us up and encouraged us, Lord. They weren't all biological mothers, but... They mothered us. They took us under their wing. They took us and made sure we were okay. They encouraged our faith in our hearts. And so as we spend a few moments in your word, Lord, we will be reminded of what a mother's love looks like. And Lord, we're reminded that your love is reflected so deeply through our mothers. That, Lord, we understand the emotions and feelings. We understand some of those things that only our mother can teach us. And so, Lord, we are so thankful that you have put mothers into our life. Lord, I pray even now for those who have had not such good experiences with their mother or their mothers aren't here to be with them today to celebrate. I pray that that your calming, peaceful heart would be upon them this morning. Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that it would be so powerful, just not because of what it said, but Lord, but because it is your word. It is alive and active in our life. May that be the part, Lord, that just drives home the love you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. We're in First Samuel this morning, and we're going to kind of jump in the middle of it, I, I, uh, and we'll spend some more time talking about. Uh, but there was a lady named Hannah, and that's, that's where the, the story, we're going to jump in the middle of it, because I want to spend some time when we're in the sermon talking about, about Hannah. But the passage starts in 21, it says, When her husband, when Hannah's husband, Elkanah, went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And after he was weaned, she took the boy with, with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old, a three-year-old bull, or three bulls, a year old is uh, the other translation, an, eph, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. May God add his blessing to the reading as we continue to sing this.
I pray that that's more than a song in our life. I pray that's more than just words on a screen. I pray that that is our heart. That you are the air we breathe. That you are the thing that makes us tick. You are the hope in an otherwise hopeless world. I pray, Lord, that the the air we breathe today and every breath we take would be one pointed in your direction. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hachu. Are you all right? I think you can go. Are you allowed to go now? Hey, you're allowed to go. Look. Look, Lou, you can go. Yes, sir. I know. I prayed for her. I talked to her. She's feeling better? Good. It gets bigger every time. It's mom. It's important, Ken. Ha <laughs> uh, So there's some really cool stories in scripture. Uh and this one's pretty cool. Uh first Samuel starts out and we didn't read the part uh at the beginning, but there's this guy named Elkanah and he has two wives, uh Hannah and Penaniah and one can have children and one cannot. And, of course, if you read through Scripture a lot, uh, you'll find that there's this mentality that if women couldn't bear children, there was something wrong, that God had somehow closed them up. And I, I don't claim to understand that. We know uh, in the medical world now that there's other issues that cause that. Uh, but no matter what was going on there, there was this these two women, and they... One was able to have children and bear children to Elkanah, and one was not. And, of course, we know now that sometimes it's not the mom's problem at all. It's the father's problem. Uh, But that's here nor there. There are two women in this story, and Penaniah is able to have children. Hannah is not able to have children. And so as you read through this uh, passage, you quickly find out that Hannah is a woman seeking God. And in the very first uh, verses of the chapter, she prays to God. And she continues to pray to God that God will allow her to have a child. So much so that she makes a deal with God. And I don't know about you, but the, the, the... the chips are pretty high in this promise, right? Stop for one second. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you made a deal with God? Right? When's the last time you made a deal with God? Because this is more than just about a mom making a deal with God. This is about us, God's people, making deals with God. 
It's interesting that I'm willing to bet that most often it's in a time of need. It's in a time when we are in need of something we don't have or we can't change what's going on in our life. It may be a pregnancy. It may be a relationship. It may be a job or a life decision. At that moment, we make a deal with God. And I'll ask you this question, and hopefully I'll remember to ask you at the end. It's easy to make that deal with God. But can you answer this question honestly? When God comes through and he holds up his end of the bargain, do you hold up your end of the bargain? This story is all about Hannah holding up her end of the deal she made with God. This is what the deal was. She says, God, if you will give me a child, I will give you him. I will commit Samuel, that's who she ended up having, him to the temple, to the priests. He will do your work for his life. I don't know about you, but that is quite the commitment. Is it not? God, if you give me a child, I will give you his life. A lot of pieces, parts to that, right? Because we can give God our child, but at some point that child is not a child anymore and they're making decisions. So there's a, there's a lot more pieces of that puzzle Uh, And that's what we're going to spend some time talking about this morning. But I just want you to think just for a moment about those promises you have made to God, those deals. I like to call them deals because I think that's what they are. We're we're trying to bargain with God to get what we want. That's what it ends up being, right? It ends up being, I I want this. I think this is what's best for me, God. And um, if you follow through, I will. Whatever it is. If, and, and I, I think that probably when we get one of those letters of, uh, or we see our doctor and it talks about cancer, or we talk about having to have surgery, or not being able to do what we did before, or losing our eyes, I, I mean, you just go through all those different things, and we begin to bargain with God. And that's what Hannah did. But Hannah did it through prayer, and she prayed that God would give her a child. And lo and behold, he gave her a child. While she was at the temple, she was standing next to the priest. And she was given confirmation that she would have a child. And so we go fast forward and she has this child and she names him Samuel. If you know much about the Old Testament, he ends up being a really pretty big player. Uh, in the scripture. And so she has this young man, Samuel. And where we come to this uh, story in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1 and, and 21, they're going to do what they always normally do. They're going to lay their offerings. They're going to go and do what they do on a yearly basis. And I got to admit, when I first read this, 
Elkanah says, we're going, and, and Hannah says, I'm going to stay home. And he, he, he answers it like, what's he say? Well, do what you think is right. <laughs> and I thought, this is a guy who wants to be married. <laughs> right? That was my first thought. I was like, hey, this guy's been married. He knows how marriage works, right? Do what you think is right, woman. That's what, that's what I could hear. That's not what it says, but that's what I heard. He did have two. Yeah, that's true. He had two. He says, do what seems best to you. And she goes on to say, well, I'm going to stay here until he is weaned, and then I will present him to God at, that, at the temple at that point. And still, notice, I still think that she had a moment there where she could have backed out. A lot of moments, right? There were a lot of moments and a lot of time where she could have backed and yet we know the story. She didn't back out. She ends up taking Samuel to the temple. Think about that just for a moment. Taking your child and giving them literally to God by dropping them off at the temple. And then only seeing them once a year. That's what Hannah did. And you have to ask yourself this. Her faith is pretty powerful to me. And something that I need to pay attention to in my own life. When I make those commitments to God, I need to seriously think about those commitments I'm making for one, two, to be able to follow through. And so this is one mom's faith. One mom's faith. And this mom's faith was able to influence others. This mom influenced her husband. Realize that this Elkanah, this was his son too, right? It wasn't like he was having kids left and right. This was his son. This was his child. And she was able to tell him that this is what I'm going to do. He obviously had talked to her about it. He was there. He remembered. He knew. And he said, if this seems right to you, then let's do it. Just think about it from a utilitarian perspective for one minute. Sons were important back then, right? Not that sons aren't important now, but sons were what would take over the farm, what would do the work uh, in the fields, and what would... Sons were extremely important. So giving up his son seems like a pretty big sacrifice. The other person that was influenced was Samuel. Because let's be honest... I can make someone do something for a time, but I can't. When they grow up, they have an opportunity to do what they're going to do, right? I could, she could have taken Samuel to the temple. Samuel could have stayed at the temple, done his internship, right? Turned 18 and said, I'm, I'm going to go do my thing. Or I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to go do what my parents want me to do. But he doesn't. He stays and he does what God wants him to do. And so his mother influenced, I, I, no doubt in my mind that his mother had influenced his life from the very beginning and reminded him that he was a product of God's love that she had prayed for. And that she had prayed for him and that he was born and that he would do God's work. That's the influence that Hannah had on Samuel's life. And so she would go every 
year and she would see her son. And I don't know about you, but Hannah's faith influences me. It influences me today. Just for a moment, think about our moms and ask yourself this question, what kind of influence did our moms or do our moms still have on us today? I'm willing to bet that our moms have helped us to be more compassionate. That our moms have helped us to be more empathetic. That our moms have taught us some of those things that we couldn't learn anywhere else in life. How to treat other people. How to sacrifice in life. I have watched, so I want to, oh, I didn't even turn the pictures, goodness. Our moms might have even taught us how to ride a bike. I don't remember who taught me how to ride a bike. That was a long time ago. But I've watched, uh, I've got to show you this picture, right? This is, this is by far, just, just, I just need to let you know that this is the cutest baby ever. And I apologize for any of you guys who don't have the cutest baby grandchild ever. But this is, um, the, the, I think the, uh, the line underneath it was that said, the queen of the world is ready to travel. Um, mind you, she, has to have a, she had to have a passport to, to go to Korea this summer. And uh, that's her American passport. She's working on her Korean Yeah, this child's going to have two passports before the age of six months. <laughs> it's been a really intriguing time in my life. Uh, technology is awesome, right? And so every day we either get a video or pictures. This happens, I think this was yesterday's. Uh-oh, there we go. Zach was messing with me. Oh, it went out, Zach. Never mind. It's been really interesting to watch your kids be parents. It's, it's like this real shift in life. You know, you raise your kids, you know you don't do everything perfect, and somehow they turn out all right for the most part. <laughs> in, I always say, in spite of who I was or am, my kids turned out all right. But it's so cool to watch your kids become parents and begin to do the things that, that you did a long time ago. And I watch, I watch Hannah, our Hannah, not the Hannah in Scripture, but our, we have a Hannah too. This happens to be Hannah's baby. Um, we watch Hannah just instantly become this mother. This mom, uh, just like her mom, took her under her wing and like we were down there six weeks into this and, and Hannah was supposed to go back to work and uh, she said, she, 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 I don't, she wasn't very good at lying, I, I think. She said, well, I, I'm supposed to go back to work in six more weeks. And, and you could just see in her face that there was never any doubt in her mind that she was not going back to work. There was no doubt in my mind. I mean, I, I'd, have bet, I'd have bet the house on it, right? She wasn't going to go back because she had fallen in love with this child and even now, we watch, we get videos, we, had a, we do FaceTime pretty regular, so we get to see the baby. And in complete honesty, a two-month-old baby on FaceTime is, right? <laughs> but we get to watch mom interact at, that mom, at those moments of life and watch mom mothering this child. 
And it's, it's just so powerful. Uh, so powerful to see that love. And, and our moms did the same for us, right? Maybe some of us might say, well, our, my mom didn't do this or my mom didn't do that. But the reality is that God put moms in our life. I always think um, where my mom wasn't there, like in, in certain parts of my life, like I was trying to push away from uh, family. We do that as kids. Um, there were other moms, grandmoms, and other people that come in and help us to understand faith in a new, fresh way. And so God puts lots of moms in our path. They're not always biological mom. But God puts those people in our, in our path to remind us and to influence our faith. The second thing that, uh, that Hannah does in this passage is that she, she's focusing on the worship just think about this. When you finally have made the decision that you're going to take your son to the temple and leave him, all right, you pack a bag and you say, okay, I'm taking him up there. Don't you think that's enough of a sacrifice? I thought, when I, I thought she's taking her kid. She's going to drop him off. You know what Hannah does? Hannah brings... There's two different, uh, two different thoughts there. There's a three-year-old bull or three bulls. Uh, three one-year-old bulls. An epha of flour and a skin of wine. She brings something to be sacrificed. She brings her sacrifice to God, not only her son Samuel, but she brings a sacrifice to lay at the altar. Now, what's really cool about that idea is this. Here's what's required of someone who makes a vow, in, according to the Old Testament. This is what is required of someone who makes a vow to God. When you make a vow to God, this is what you have to bring to the altar. It's in uh, Numbers 15, uh, 8 through 10. It says, when you present a young, present, prepare a young bull, a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of flour, and a hint of wine. Does anybody know what a third of a... The, the three bulls versus one bull, that kind of makes sense, right? Instead of one bull, she brought three. The second half is, instead of a third of an ephah of flour, she brought a full ephah of flour three times. Does anybody know what a hint of wine is? It's actually a fourth, but same idea, right? Five liters, a gallon-ish. A hint of wine is a gallon, a skin. <laughs> I know this is, I'm, I'm sure, Scott, you don't use these, but. <laughs> a skin of, a wine, of, of wine is about 20 liters of wine. The point being this. She made a point to bring three times the sacrifice that was required of her. And I wonder about us. I wonder about me. I struggle to bring what's required. And she brought three times what was required. On top of her son Samuel. Am I being worshipful 
and thankful for God's mercy and blessings in my life at those moments? Am I three times more worshipful than I need to be? Am I one time more worshipful than I need to be? She sets the bar pretty high, does she not? In my mind, she has set the bar extremely high. Her faith takes her to the point where she can understand that God has created this child and given her this child to give away to him. And not only does she take that child, but she takes all these offerings on top. And we struggle in today's church to give up anything. I'll give you 10 minutes of my time as long as it's the 10 minutes I wasn't going to use for anything else anyway. Finally, she delivers on her promise. Hannah's faith allows her to deliver on the promise. Think about this. She had gone to the temple years prior and prayed, had this child. When the child was finally weaned, the child was probably, I don't know, uh, four years old, five years old. A, A chunk of time had gone. So much time had gone that she had to remind the priest who she was. She said, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as I live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and you granted me what I ask. And so now I give him to the Lord. All I can think in this situation is this. She could have very, very easily pushed it under the rug and just kept him at home. She could have very easily said, well, you know what? Maybe I didn't really hear God the way I thought I heard him, and this is my child, and I can't give him up, and I'm going to just keep doing what we've been doing. And who would have known? God, Samuel, and Hannah, right? Or, yeah, I mean, I meant to say Elkanah and Hannah, right? Or, uh, yeah, Elkanah and Hannah. Probably everyone else would have just let it go. She delivered on her promise. How many of our obligations in life that we promise God that we're going to do, do we follow through for? Or follow through on? Probably not nearly as much or as often as we should. Maybe... The lesson learned here is this. Make less promises. Maybe that's the lesson to be learned. Because if we made less promises, we would be a whole lot better at keeping the promises we have made. I don't know. But I am absolutely blown away that Hannah would keep that promise and drop off that child and allow that child to be away from her 
after she had prayed so hard. We know of another story. It's probably a little bit more famous than this story. And it's also uh, in the Old Testament, but it's in Genesis. It's, it's a guy by the name of Abram, right? In Genesis 15. It's about a guy who has prayed so hard to have a child. And Sarah is barren. And he finally, I mean, he finally laughs at God, right? <laughs> he's in his, what they think would be his 90s-some in that area. And he laughs at God because he's like, oh, yeah, right, not going to happen now. And he has this child. And he has this child, and he loves this child so much. And God says, do you love me more than you love this child? And if you do, take this child and sacrifice this child. And Abraham says at that moment, when he decides to do that, he tells his wife, we'll be back in three days. I don't fully believe that he understood what that would look like, right? Because when he gets there, he says, well, God, if you take him, I know that you'll work through this too. And he gets to the point where he sacrifices or is going to sacrifice his son. And isn't it like Old Testament to point to the New Testament? <laughs> I, it just, if, you look, if you look for it, you can see it. You see this Old Testament. Abraham is going to sacrifice his son. Just like Jesus would be sacrificed for God and for each one of us. That story of sacrifice continues and runs through Scripture all the way from the Old Testament through New Testament. I want to show you a, a quick video, uh, but not yet. I got I gotta this video is a Pandora video, all right <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the bracelet video, but it's a powerful video. And the video reminds us, it reminds me, it reminds me of the connection that God has with each and every one of us. This connection is powerful. The video is called a unique, The Unique Connection. Go ahead and play it. This 
66 13 as a mother comforts her child so I will comfort you let me read that to you again as a mother comforts her child so I will comfort you I think if I haven't learned anything else in my life and I know I have but that my mom, our moms, have taught us to be and feel and to understand the emotions probably better than anyone else in our life. And this passage or this video just, it sticks with me that that's how God feels in, about us. We're all so unique. I think we live in a world where we feel like we're not that special. That we're just in a sea of people and that God really doesn't care and it's not intimate and he doesn't... Uh, he doesn't care over us. He cares about other people, but he doesn't care over us. And I do believe that that's where our moms come in because I never found a time when my mom, she may not have been happy with me at times, but I never found a time when my mom didn't have my back. That my mom wasn't on my side. That my mom, she may not have been happy, but she always knew what to do and how to do it. And I never, ever, ever, ever had to question that. Because that's how moms work, right? We can't do anything bad enough for a mom not to love us. And I think that's how God feels about us too. And sometimes we have a hard time seeing that. That we can never do anything bad enough that will separate us from him. And if you don't have that relationship with him this morning, I... I pray, I pray even as, as we pray this morning that you would find that relationship. I would encourage you to come to the altar this morning and, and give me a chance to pray with you or pray alone. I'd love to do that. Uh, it's so important. Let's pray. Lord, we quiet our hearts even now. And we're reminded of our mom's love and the way that they care over us so and or the moms that you have put in our path over the years, those who have mothered us, who have protected us and cared over us. And we're reminded that that's how you care over us as well, and that you have given us human relationships and connections that we might better understand your love. And there's no doubt in my mind that you don't put moms in our path for that reason. There's so much sacrifice given in effort and energy, time. 
A mother's love is invaluable. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who doesn't have a relationship with you today. I pray that they would recognize, Lord, that just like our moms, you care about us so, so deeply that you have sacrificed your son Jesus for us. You have given his life that we might have life. You have put us in front of your own son and everything else in life. Thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.